I don't know how you say y'all in Spanish, so I got to figure that one out. But I still say y'all. I'm very uh, honored to be here. Pastor Jenny, thank you so much for the opportunity. I know Pastor Kent's out here, and we need to pray for him. Um, but I thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Sister Rhonda, thank you. And she's pretty right about El Salvador. We're always on the move, and there's, a, there's always something good going on because God is amazing every single day, and uh, he's exciting every single day. And so while I'm talking, we're just going to have some photos uh, scrolling behind me of the various mission work that we do. Um, some areas we can't take photos, and I'll talk more about those areas. But, um, you know, you get to see some faces of the, the beautiful Salvadoran people that we get to minister to. And so this is where your prayers are so important to us because it opens the doors for us to reach every single one of these people that you're seeing in these photos. So um, I want to just bring you up to speed on where we are with Abigail Association. And if you're following the Cardinals game, I would suggest you put your Bible app on, take the Cardinals off, okay, just... They're not doing so well right now, so we'll just skip that. <laughs> we, in this last year, have been very blessed. Um, so I think probably a lot of you, I know your faces, and so you're familiar with the work that we've done. Been there 11 years in El Salvador. This year's 11 years, so I'm just honored. Yes, it, the God gets all the glory for that, that he allowed this little girl from Fist to go to El Salvador and minister to the people there. And so I'm abundantly blessed to do that. Um, we, this year, past year, have added three more feeding programs. So we now have three children, I'm sorry, we have six children's feeding programs in El Salvador. We're feeding more than 300 kids every Monday through Friday. And so these kids are not only getting the food, they're getting the spiritual food. So we make sure that they're learning to pray. We're making sure that they're learning to read Bible verses, that they're memorizing Bible verses. We're making sure that they know the basics of the Bible. And so that's the purpose of the feeding programs. The Lord does tell us to take care of children and orphans, and we are doing that. Um, we also have our senior citizen program, so we're taking care of the widowed as well. We have, um, we're running about 80 in our senior citizen program, which is really cool. And these people come to us um, from various villages where... Um, the rule of thumb is they eat every other day. And so we, uh, we're getting some great testimonies. We've had this program for about eight or nine years with these senior citizens. And so the majority of them now have all received the Lord. Uh, we're seeing the Lord work in their lives, which is truly amazing. A couple of weeks ago, well, I'm sorry, I've been here for, in the States for three weeks. So a couple of months ago, we had a lady come to the meeting, and she just wanted to stand up and share something. Now, this meeting is theirs. So if somebody wants to read a poem or if somebody wants to sing an old song or whatever, we let them do it because we want them to enjoy their time. So she stood up at the back of the room, and she began to tell that she lived uh, in a town, and she was the only lady that had a liquor store in the town. She sold other things in her store, like sugar and rice and things, but her main uh, amount of sales, the main money, the most of the money that she got in her store came from the sale of alcohol. And so she had received the Lord in this program that we have, and she had then gotten convicted about selling alcohol. But she's like, you know, what am I going to do? Because if I don't sell the alcohol, I'm not going to have enough money to eat. But she's decided to take a stand and take a step of faith. And she stood up and she testified that she had been three months without selling any alcohol and that had, met, had not missed one dime of her money. So we're having, you know, the Lord is, the Lord is allowing, allowing people's lives to be changed, even with the elderly people. And so that's amazing to me that things that we don't even think about, that the Lord is touching their lives just because they get a free meal and they get a, a devotional time once a week with us. And so that's, that's what the Lord is doing in our senior citizen program. 
Um, they're gonna, El Salvador is a very poor country, for those of you who know anything about it. We're down in the middle of Central America. We're kind of wedged between Honduras and Nicaragua. And um, we're very poor. And so food and medicine are really two big things that the people need. Well, ultimately they need Jesus, but we know that food and uh, medicine are two physical needs that the people need. So we're trying to meet both of those. So we're doing it with the children's feeding programs and the senior citizen programs. How are we doing it with the medicines? We're, we now currently have two clinics that we're operating, uh, which is a wonderful blessing. Yeah, I mean, this one clinic, I'm telling you, these, these doctors and dentists are on fire. And so um, up to this year, from January up until now, just in one clinic, we have more than 800 salvations that have come in through this clinic. I just can't even keep up with what they're doing. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so the, the people come in, they have to pay $2 to see the doctor, um, and, but then they can get any medicine that they need for free. But we want them to value their visit, so they, they pay $2, but they can walk out with Jesus, and that's priceless. And so um, that's a wonderful thing. The other thing that we also do in the area of medicine is that we take doctors out and we go out into the, to the rural areas where people don't really have clinics, and we'll set up a little clinic for a day. And part of the outreach of the clinic is that you have to go through a ministry area. So we always partner with a local church, and those people, that church will run the ministry area. And so we, we say, you know, no prayer, no pill. If you don't go through the prayer line, you're not going to get your medicine. And so that's a wonderful way for us to, to reach people all over El Salvador who would never come to us, but we'll go to them. And so this past year, we were blessed to have um, Hand of Hope. It's a medical mission team. It's under the, the mission side of Joyce Meyer Ministry. They came for their first weekend outreach ever, uh, and they came to El Salvador to try it out. Well, the first day on Saturday, we saw 611 patients. On the second day, we saw 1,014 patients in one day. I mean, it, it's been tremendous. But the reason for doing the ministry, the reason for having the outreach is because of the ministry. And so the, the way, the place that we had this outreach was strategic. I mean, I, I can stand here and tell you that even though we don't see him, he's working. That song was so on target because there is no way that we would ever get to go and do what we're doing where we're doing because we can't make it happen. But he's been working years to get us where we're getting ready to go. And sometimes he does that with us in our personal lives. He works years to get us ready to, and to, to where we're going to go. So I'm just giving you a little back history on this. El Salvador is notorious for its gangs. I'm sure you guys here have heard MS-13 or MS-18 on the news. We've been working in MS-13 gang area for quite a few years. We have a clinic in that area. We have a children for, uh, center for children in that area. They're very open to us and us being there. They actually protect our buildings. And I mean, they're very, very gracious people. We've had some of their leaders receive the Lord. And so the Lord is working in that area. Um, and that's an answer to prayer. But about, about nine years ago, I started praying a prayer for us to be able to work face-to-face -face with the male gang members in El Salvador. It's one thing to save the drug addict. It's another thing to save the drug dealer. Because the problem doesn't stop if you only save the addict. So we have had open doors to work with the women and the children of the gangs. One of our new feeding programs this year is in a, is in a gang, a new gang area for us. And so my prayer was to be able to, to get face-to-face -face with the male 
gang leaders, because those are the ones who make the rules. Those are the ones who control the country. And so, because MS-18 is an area that has been untouched for us, basically. We haven't had an inroad, a door for that. So we started this, this feeding program in this area, and the moms started bringing their kids. Um, they were a little hesitant at first, because in the area where this is, 13 is really close. And so it's a, it's a constant battle for territory. It's a constant battle for, for power in those areas. And so the moms were a little nervous to bring their kids because they thought somebody from the 13 would come in and kill them. And so, but now we've established it, it's safe, they're, they're protecting us and all this. So that was great. But because these gang leaders in this territory, it's, it's a huge territory. So in this territory, there's a, there are 30 male leaders over this territory. So you can imagine how big the territory is to have 30 leaders. So these 30 leaders started coming to us and saying, or they, they sent somebody, they didn't come personally, but they sent somebody to say, who are you? What do you want from us? Why are you here? And so they called one of our, our main guys in to a meeting with, with them. And there were guns all over the place within this meeting. And, and they were, you know, really angry with him and said, what do you want? Why are you here? And he was just like, hey, we're just here to help you. We're just here to offer food to your kids. We're just here to do whatever we can to, to help you. And they let him, you know, go out, and he, they call him back in like a month or so later, and they have another meeting with him, and, and there's guns all over the place, you know, and they're trying to, you know, they're tough. They're trying to show who they are. And so, but at the end of the second meeting, this is just God. They agreed, these 30 leaders agreed to have a Bible study every 15 days. How do you make that happen? And so... And so the, the, the guy there who had gone in, he, he sends me a message. He goes, hey, Janice, I, I'm, we're going to have these Bible studies, but I got nothing. I need, I need something. And I said, well, I'll get you 30 books in Spanish, or 30 Bibles in Spanish, uh, nice large print so they could read them. And I said, I'll get you 30 copies of the Battlefield of the Mind in Spanish. And I got 30 T-shirts that just had a cross on it. That's all it had. So he tells me when he's going to go. I take these materials to his office, and I, I say, God bless you. I'll be praying for you and all this stuff. This was on a Friday. He calls me on Friday night and he says, well, you have permission to go if you want to go. I'm like, I am there. <laughs> there is no devil going to keep me from that meeting. I'm telling you, I was so excited. I couldn't hardly sleep. Everybody thought I was crazy, but I'm like, this is what I've been praying for for nine years. Nine years to get to meet these men and to talk to them. So we, we pack up the truck, we, pay, we take his car, we can't take mine, so we take his car and we go into this area and they're like, uh, there's guys on the street with walkie-talkies and they're looking in, they stop us, they ask us where we're going, we tell them, we get stopped again, we're going down into this neighborhood. Finally, we get to this building where we're supposed to meet them and we open the door, there's nobody there, there's a table set up in the front and there's 30 chairs set around. Like, well, okay, so we unpack our books and our Bibles and all this stuff sitting around talking, and all of a sudden the door opened, and in comes these guys, single file. They just all sit down in these chairs, and they're all like in their 20s. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I could be your mother. I really could have been their mother. They were all tattooed. Their faces are tattooed just like, I don't know if you guys have seen any of that on, on the television or anything like that. It's the real thing. That is not made up. And so they're tattooed, and so um, they begin to, you know, say again, what do you want from us? I'm like, we don't want anything. We just want to help you and, and all this kind of stuff. And we keep on the conversation. And I pick up a book and a Bible and T-shirt and go to each one individually and give it to them and shake their hand. And they all say, thank you. And I'm like, get them Jesus. Get them Jesus. Get them Jesus. And go by. Because we want to win them for the Lord. There was not one gun in that room. They were respectful. They call me, I'm Sister Janice. Okay, that's, they know that's the name. 
But in that meeting, they said, I asked them, what can we do for you? What can we do for your families? What can we do for your community? And so they said, could you bring one of those medical things to us? So they knew we did medical outreaches. So we went back in November of last year, had a medical outreach with them, and the guys came in. I'm not going to go into the long story of how crazy that was, but it was, it was an amazing experience, and maybe I can share that at, at another point. But to have the, the guys themselves come in and to go through a line where they had to get prayer. They had to get prayer. Some of these guys were sitting there with tears running down their faces because nobody had come and loved on them. Nobody goes into this area, guys. I'm not kidding you. Nobody goes there. And so that gave us a door, an open door with them. And so when it came the opportunity to have this really big medical outreach over this weekend that I had just told you about, we went to those guys and said, could we have permission to have it in your, in your area, in this zone? Because we wanted to have it in a school. There was a big school there. And so they said, yes, well, you can have it there. Anybody can come in from outside. We just would, we don't want any young men to come through because they view young men as a competition. They could potentially be from another gang. And so we had, that, we had that outreach there, and they're again strategically trying to reach them, but also another door that the Lord was opening in that same area is right here's the school where we had the outreach. Next to it, there's a piece of land. It's an empty lot. The mayor of that town is wanting to give that lot of land to someone who would do something good for the community. First time I put my foot on that land, I'm like, we're going to put a clinic and a vocational center there. I can't tell you how confident I am that's going to happen. <laughs> We've already had meetings with the, so I took an architect, had him draw up plans of what it was going to be. I have the budget. I know all that stuff. We went and presented it to the mayor, and he has 10 council members. We have eight council members and the mayor. He would prefer it to be a unanimous decision so that there's no disruption amongst the gangs in the area. So we're hopefully praying that in the next couple of weeks there'll be another meeting where those other two council members will get on board. But let me tell you how confident I am that God is going to do this. We already have two churches raising funds to build a building for a land on, on land we don't even have. We already have some people who are committed to support us on a monthly basis to pay the doctor salaries in that clinic on the land that we don't even have. God will go before you people. You don't need to beg. He will go before you. If he wants to get something done, he will go before you. And so I was just thinking the other night about this area that we're in. It's a really big area. And so I was thinking that, you know, what the enemy vent for harm, the Lord will use for good. So because these guys are all tattooed, and even some of the wives are tattooed, so they have to stay in these areas. So the enemy has intentionally got them together. That's his plan to keep them all together. But I'm thinking, well, that's great because now we don't have to go and find them. <laughs> all we got to do is build a building and they'll come to us because they're going to need medicine. And so God has a plan always for something. So a story that came out of this medical outreach to let you know how significant this is and how important just giving a medicine is to reach someone for Christ. When we had this medical outreach, a, young, a mom came on a Saturday she received the Lord in the ministry area. She got a book, uh, a copy of The Battlefield of the Mind. I'm not toting anything by Joyce Mayers, but I'm telling you, that's a really powerful book if you've never read it, okay? So she was reading that book Saturday night, and she learned that she had authority. She knew she had authority because she now had Jesus. 
Her young son, he's 15, he was in the process to join the gangs. So to join the gangs, it's a, it's a, a three-step process before you're finally in. You have to pass certain tests to be able to get in. The first step that you have to pass is you have to serve as one of their antennas. It's like a lookout is what we call it in English. So like when we were going into the neighborhood, the lookouts are going to have a, a, a walkie-talkie and they're going to say, you know, here comes Deborah Sills, watch her, she's coming in the area. You know, they're going to do that. So they're going to they're let the people ahead know who's coming in. The next part of the process that you have to pass is you have to go and pick up the extortion money. So a lot of extortion happens in El Salvador, so they need to know that they can trust you and that you're honest and those kind of things. So this young man had passed those two tests. He had served as a lookout and he had been picking up the extortion. The third thing that you have to do to join the gang is you have to go and let four gang members beat you for one minute and you cannot defend yourself. They can beat you in any way they want and you can't defend yourself. So this young man was scheduled to have that beating on the following weekend. So his mom receives the Lord, understands that she has authority, and she starts praying over her son. And she's like praying out loud over him, you know, trying to, to have him hear, and he hears what she's praying. And so he goes and he says to his mom, he says, what are you doing? And she says, son, I've learned, I've received Jesus, and I know now that I have authority, and you're not going to join that gang. And so she's talking about this in all these days, all these days, and he receives the Lord. She leads him to the Lord. So on Friday night, this, this gang members show up at his house to get him. And the mom says, he belongs to Jesus. You're not taking him. And the guy leaves. The next day, more gang members show up at the door, and the young man says, I belong to Jesus. I'm not going with you. That happened at the end of July. To this day, the boy is still living with his mom. The gangs have not been back. They've not been back. So they understand, they understand the, the power that's in the name of Jesus. I think sometimes we take too lightly the power that's in the name. There is power in that name. We sing about it. But when you need a name, that's the only name you need to say. It's Jesus. And that lady learned that just from reading a book that she got at a medical outreach because she probably came for vitamins or blood pressure medicine or something like that. So that's the importance of what we, why we do what we do with that, with the, with the medical outreach. And we have stories. We had soldiers who came through that area that have received the Lord. We've had people who are, you know, got off drugs because of that. They came to the Lord. I mean, the Lord is really doing something in that area. And so I want this church to pray for us to, to receive that land. There's really nobody else that has a proposal to, to put on the table. And so we just need those other two council members to come on board and we'll start with permits and we'll start building the first of the year. Start maybe in December if we could. I mean, I don't know. But I truly believe that the Lord has positioned our team for a time such as this. He's got all those gang guys. I mean, we're talking hundreds of people in these areas that nobody's going to go in. Rhonda could not go there. I could not go there if I wasn't going with our, with our guy on the ground there. I couldn't do it. And so who is going to go in there? Nobody. But do they need Jesus? They need Jesus. And so this is something that the Lord put on my heart nine years ago to pray, to work with these guys, and we're seeing it now. They're still having their Bible study every 15 days. It's going to be a process. They know nothing about the Lord. If they know anything, they've been raised Catholic. 
One of my other desires that maybe next year I can start is to have a Bible study with the wives of those members. Because you can imagine as a woman, you're, you're married to some guy that kills people. I mean, <laughs> and that's a fact, guys. I'm telling you, this, this is a fact, that this is what they do. And can you imagine the fear you live in? Is your husband going to come home or is he going to get mad at you? Or the fear, if you have a son, is your young son going to grow up and, and become the same thing that your husband is? And your, your self-esteem cannot be very high. And so it would be a wonderful desire of mine to, to be able to share Jesus with the women in the form of a study. So pray for that also. I, I'm asking for a lot of prayers here tonight, but I know you guys can do it. I know you can do it because we know God can do it. It's not us, man. Let me tell you, there is no way a 54-year-old white woman should be in that area. But because I'm a 54-year-old white woman, I am not a threat. I'm not a threat to them. And they know that. And I think that's just God giving me grace and he's given me such a love and a compassion for those guys that makes no sense to me in the natural. But if we, if we can only share Jesus with them, we will get to spend eternity with them. Amen? And that's the goal. That's what we want to do is share eternity with them. And so I am always, always, always amazed at what God can do. Are you guys ever amazed at what God can do? You can stop the video if you want to. Whoever's up there, I can't see anyone. but I'm always amazed at what he's done in the 11 years that we've been there, the doors that he has opened for us to work with government officials, the, the way he has given us favor to walk in places that we don't need to be walking, the way that he has given us favor with gang members. I mean, all these things that the Lord has done, he's done it because, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't have a plan. And I know there's planners in the room, they're going to think that's crazy, but I don't have a plan. I never would have planned to go and, and do a medical outreach in some of the areas that we've done this. I didn't even plan to do medical outreaches when I went down there. And so this has all been God, and I stand back in amazement of him at what he has done. And as you think about this word amazed, I love this word, and, and we use it all the time amazed. We're amazed. It's a very powerful word. And it's actually used in the Bible 42 times. If you're in the NIV translation, sorry, I didn't look it up in King James, but I'm an NIV gal. So it's 42 times that's used in the Bible, this word amazed. And I want us to look at two of those because two of those times the word amazed is used directly in relation to Jesus just to Jesus. Let's look at Luke chapter 7. I'm going to read it. Uh, if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, you can. We're going to read two passages of Scripture, one in Luke and one in Mark. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There's a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly, and he was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. The centurion heard of Jesus, sorry, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, said, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him to say, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. 
That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I say to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And he turned to the crowd and he said to him, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. So Jesus was amazed at the centurion. But now if we go to chapter, Mark chapter 6, and read the other time that the word is amazed is used that I want to talk about tonight. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, and Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. So they were even amazed at what he was saying. And they said, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of Joseph, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except he laid his hands on a few sick and they were healed. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So the word amazed in both of these stories is used associated with faith. There's a kind of faith that's available to us that can amaze God. Can you imagine Jesus being amazed at us? We're always amazed at him, but here Jesus was amazed at people walking around on the earth just like you and I. And so these, there are types of faith that can amaze God. Luke 7 had to do with a Roman who should not have had any faith at all. He wasn't of the Jewish faith. He had never probably been taught the Jewish traditions. He probably didn't know the stories of the Bible. So there was no reason for him to have faith. But Mark 6 has to do with the ones who should have believed him. They had seen the miracles. They had, they had seen him do things that no other person had done on the face of this earth. And they were around him all the time, but they didn't believe. And today, here especially in the U.S., we have access to God on every level. But we don't see him move. We're not seeing God move. So I want to ask that. I don't believe that it's not because the unbelievers don't believe, but it is because of the unbelief of the believer. Let's think about that. The people who believed, he couldn't do anything with them. And that's just like us today. And this is a challenging message to all of us, including myself. He couldn't do anything. They believed, but he still couldn't do anything. So they believed, but did they not believe? He was amazed that they didn't believe. And they were supposedly believers. The problem ultimately in this country and all around the world is a faith problem. There's very few amens. It is a faith problem. We Christians are not rising up to be the light in the dark world. It's a tough world out there. It's very tough, but we need to be the light. He only does a fraction of the things that he wants to do in the world today, just like in Mark 6. Because Christians don't believe. I want us to look at why don't we believe? 
What are, we, what are we missing? If we are a real, on-fire Christian, I hate to say it, but we're supposed to be a little weird. Not weird so that people don't want to talk to you and don't want to approach you. But come on, Jesus was a little weird. Let's look at some things that Jesus did that were weird in today's culture, in today's society. He loved his enemies. That's kind of weird. How many of you have someone that you just do not like? Don't say any names in case they're sitting next to you. <laughs> but you have someone you just don't like. Or someone that has been mean to you. Or someone that disagrees with you. You know, I'm here in the States and I'm hearing so much political junk. Sorry, junk stuff <laughs> going on. And I don't care what your political position is. But if you hate Nancy Pelosi, I'm sorry, but you're supposed to love her. And if you hate Donald Trump, I'm sorry, you're supposed to love him. That's what Jesus would have done. He loved his enemies. He prayed for those who hurt him. We should pray for those who hurt us. We've all been hurt by someone. But in today's society, that is absolutely weird. For you to say, oh man, they hurt me, I'm so mad at them. But you know what? I'm going to pray for them because that's what Jesus would have done. And I'm going to be weird like he was. So we need to, we need to pray for those that hurt us. We need to care for the poor. That's what Jesus did. I mean, he was not really concerned about the people who had enough. He was concerned about the widows, the children, the sick, the hurting. And how many times do we preaching to myself here, I could be sitting right out there, do we want to get to the front row? Do we want to get to the platform? Do we want to, do we want to get to where we're being seen? Do we want to shake hands with so-and-so? Do we want to sit next to so-and-so? Do we want to do the things that the affluent people are doing? That's not what Jesus did. He went out looking for the ones that are lost and hurting. He went out looking for the ones who had a need, and he met that need. That's just weird for us today to do that, but that's what we should do. We need to look for the lost. I think so many times that we believe that they're going to come through that door and Pastor Kent's going to preach and they're going to come to the altar and be saved. And that does happen and we thank Jesus for that. We praise the Lord for the drawing power of his Holy Ghost that brings people into this room. But we need to go out and look for them. Jesus went looking. You all know the story. He went all the way to Samaria because he went looking for one woman. We need to go and look for the lost. We need to pray for the sick, not just in the building. It's wonderful that we pray for people and anoint, with them, anoint them with oil and they get healed. But just today, I heard um, here in your, in your congregation when I was coming in, I heard a testimony of someone who was healed, not in a building. Well, praise the Lord. We should be seeing more and more of that. That's what Jesus did. He didn't go into the synagogues and pray for them and heal them. He went out and he prayed for the sick and they were healed. Don't be afraid to pray in a parking lot. Don't be afraid to pray in a, in a Walmart or a Target or wherever you guys shop. Menards, don't be afraid to pray in these places because God will go out looking for someone. He will send someone in your path that you can pray for and he will heal them. I believe that. With all of my heart, I believe that. And we can't, we can't let our, our fire go out. We, our fire for the lost cannot go out. In our soul, that belly, our belly fire cannot go out. It has to be a passion for us to, to want to pray for people wherever they are. And it may not be comfortable for me. 
It may not be comfortable for my schedule. But it's not about me. Jesus wants to reach the lost. We need the Holy Ghost. We need to be full of his power and love to set people free. And so many people today need to be free. So many people today just need love. For God so loved the world. And that should be us. We should love the world that will give our life to go out and to reach someone for Christ. Jesus was weird in that sense, that he loved everyone. And we should be weird about that too. We should love everyone regardless of race, color, creed, nationality, political party, all of that. We should love each and every one of them. That's what's going to make the difference. We go to conference after conference. None of these things are bad. We hear sermon after sermon. None of those things are bad. We listen to podcast after podcast. Those aren't bad. But things don't change. Things don't change. We as Christians do not change either because we do not believe that we need to change or we don't believe that he can change us. He can change us. We are here on this earth for such a short time. Thank goodness for that in a lot of ways. Thank goodness for that. We don't have to spend eternity here. We get to go somewhere else. And I'm kind of looking forward to that day. You know, when someone dies that I know that's a Christian and I'm 100% that they're going to the Lord, I'm a, I'm a little jealous. I gotta be honest. I'm a little jealous because they get to those streets of gold and they get to do all that stuff before I do. They get to see Jesus before me. But thank goodness it's for a short time. But on the flip side, it's a short time. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time to be weird like Jesus was weird. We don't have a lot of time to, to mess around with things that aren't important. We need, to, we need to be using our faith. We cannot let the world change our minds about who God is. We cannot let that happen. They want us to think that he's a God of love, which he is. They want us to think he's a God of grace, which he is. But they don't want us to think he's a God of judgment. Or they don't want us to even think that he's a God of miracles. So many people can, can go to the doctor and, and get what they need and there's no need to pray. Prayer is sometimes the last thing that we do, but it should be the first. No doctor's report, no lawyer's decision, no, no negative words from anyone should change our mind about who God is. He still heals, he still sets free, he still delivers. He still does absolutely anything that you need. He can do it. He came to make us victorious in this world. How many are living in victory tonight? Three. <laughs> How many are living in victory tonight? We should, every one of us should say, we're living in victory. The enemy has no power over us. He has no control over my life. He has no influence over my life. He is under my feet. We should all be living victorious. We should all be living in victorious. We need the power of God to be victorious, and we need to believe that he is who he says he is, and that he can do what he says he can do. How many believe he can heal? He can heal. He can heal. He can save. How many believe he can save? 
Yes. He can save a gang member. He can save a drunkard. He can save a drug dealer. He can save the cleanest person, the most, the most uh, good, good, I'm trying to think of the word in English, sorry. The, the best person you know who's never, you know, drank, smoked, drunk, or, or chew or cuss or whatever those who do. I can't even remember how do you say that. But the per, that lives a good, clean life. He can save them because they need a savior too. He can save Whatever you need, he can do it. We're always willing, willing and eager uh, to share someone that we know who's done a, something good in our lives with other people. For example, if you go to a good doctor and he's made you feel better, I want to share. Man, you need to go see this guy. He's really good. He'll take care of you. you, you I got this chiropractor. He fixed me up really good. Here's his name. Here's his card. Here's his number. Go see him. How eager are we to share Jesus in that same way? How eager are we to say, look, man, <laughs> this is what I used to be. This is where he brought me th from. And he can do the same thing for you. And I'm not judging you because hey, I was right there with you. That's the love. That's the compassion that we're supposed to have for other people. Impossible is usually where God starts. And he does it in his time. Because <laughs> I think he's usually waiting on us and not us waiting on him. So he starts at impossible. But do we believe? This comes down, this is where the rubber meets the road. Do we believe? Do we believe? Deep, deep down, do we believe? Do we believe? How is Jesus going to be amazed by you? Think about that for just a second. He was amazed at people in the scripture. And so if he looks at each and every one of us today, right now, at our faith, how is he going to be amazed? Is he going to say, wow, they've got faith like that guy who didn't even believe? Or is he going to say, they got faith like the people who believed? And I can't do anything amongst that. I personally want to be the centurion and have the faith, enough faith, to believe everything in his word and everything that he said so that he can do whatever he wants. In me, through me, around me, whatever it is, I want him to be amazed at my faith. Do you want him to be amazed at your faith? Just think about that. If there's any area that Jesus is going to be amazed by you, he's not going to be amazed by your offering. He's not going to be amazed by your talent to sing. He's not going to be amazed by your preaching or your teaching or any of that. He's going to be amazed by your faith. That's the only thing that impresses Jesus, is your faith. That's the only thing that's going to get his attention, is your faith. So I want to encourage you tonight. I want to challenge you. Like I said, I'm challenging myself here. Am I living my life with enough faith that Jesus is amazed? Because if he's amazed, he will amaze you. He will do things that will blow your mind. He will open doors for you. He will lead people to you who need prayer. He will lead people to you that need deliverance. He will lead people to you that needs salvation because he knows that you have enough faith to pray them through. So the challenge tonight is, how is Jesus going to be amazed by you? Let's pray. Father God in heaven.